The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. On our last Tentacled Tuesday, we left Maggie, alone in the dark being tortured by some thing. <laughs> All the while, Mr. Alistair was headed home. And home is where the heart lies, yes. <laughs> so what if that heart has been ripped asunder, leaving a battered and bruised family, a family with a missing soul? Once again, I will warn you of the usual things. Images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and that naughty, salty language. And remind you that this podcast may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. Now, let us step into the kitchen. Perhaps grab a sandwich as we return to the cafe in Chapter 13. Broken Home. Caitlin Maxwell hated working the kitchen at the cafe. Of all the things she had to do, it was her least favorite assignment. The kitchen was always stifling, and she hated how she was always drying her face off with a towel. Even more so now, now that her face was covered with bruises and welts. It also didn't help that her shoulder throbbed with each knife press as she carefully cut the last of the sandwiches. Even the simple task of putting them on the tray hurt. As she did so, a couple workers, dirty from head to toe, walked through, grabbing a couple off the top. They smiled and thanked her. Turning away from them, she reached up towards a cabinet, trying to grab some tumblers, and immediately winced in pain, nearly falling back as she did so. To her amazement, someone was behind her in an instant, making sure she didn't fall. I've got that, Missy, he said, reaching over as another man lifted up the tray and winked. I'll bring these out to the men, and a third called out, and I'll get the drinks. She smiled. She was grateful for their pleasant attitudes and help. Finally free, she poured some ice in a bowl and placed a towel over her shoulder. The doctor should be done changing Terence's bandage by now. She was sure a cool towel on his forehead would be a welcome addition. She lifted the bowl and tucked it precariously under her left arm, trying to climb the temporary stairs that now stood against a far wall leading towards the rooms was no joke. Pausing to catch her breath as she reached the top step, she leaned against the wall. She could see several more workers walking out of the kitchen and towards the blue tarp that now hung where the front door used to be. She watched it momentarily as air moved it back and forth, and she quickly lost herself in thought. There had to be a good 15 men here working and staying at the cafe. They had all come swiftly when she sent out a call for help. Each of them was a member of the Sacred Dawn and gifted in some unusual way. It was odd that in all her years here, she couldn't remember a single time that the cafe was so busy, and yet she felt so terribly alone. Alistair had been gone almost five days now, Sam too, as she was presumed lost in the explosion, as they found only a few tattered remains of her outfit in the wreckage. If only she had been quicker, maybe she could have stopped her butt. The ice moved a little in the bowl as it melted, shaking her out of her train of thought, reminding her of her task. 
She approached Terence's room and knocked softly. A warm, kind voice answered, Come in. A young doctor sat, checking Terence's pulse and adjusting his IV drip, his black hair falling over his glasses and brown eyes. He was a thin, wirely-looking man. He pushed his glasses back off the edge of his nose and turned towards Caitlin. How is he, Dr. Rhinecliffe? She asked as she looked over at the very still Terence White. He lay shirtless, his chest tightly wrapped in white bandages. His breathing has stabilized and he should recover, but it will be a couple months before he can go back into the field. I see, she replied. Terence had been unconscious since he had collapsed. Now, he said, frowning at how she was holding the bowl of ice, I'd better take a look at that shoulder. It's fine, she protested. The doctor rose and walked over to her. Oh, he said, then this won't hurt. He reached out and tapped her gently. Caitlin grimaced and Dr. Rhinecliffe noted. It won't heal correctly with you lugging ice or equipment around. Now let me have a look at it. With a heavy sigh, she placed the ice on a nearby dresser and unbuttoned her top so that he could examine her. A deep blemish ran down her neck and across her shoulder. It. And you need rest, he admonished. And I would like you to wear a brace on it for the next couple of weeks. But who'll run things here? I, I just can't abandon my duties. Caitlin, he began to say when they could hear several men shouting to each other. Is that... A demon! Hold your ground, fellas! What's he carrying? He has a child on his shoulders! Now what? Rhinecliffe turned to Caitlin. A demon? Her eyes went wide with hope and excitement. Mr. Alistair, it has to be. Maybe he's got Sam with him. She ran out of the room, nearly falling down the steps, and raced across the floor and under the tarp. Several men held pickaxes and shovels across their bodies as they sized up the toll foreboding Mr. Alistair. Mr. Alistair made no sudden movements, nor did he speak. He slowly knelt and laid Jonah's body on the ground, keeping his hands open to them so that they could see he carried no weapons, nor was he powering up an attack. As he did so, he took note of everything. While he sensed that they were all skilled to some degree, if he had to defend himself, he could, but he surveyed the wreckage. A blue tarp hung where the front door used to be. Only the window boxes remained, and they were badly scorched. To his right, a dumpster sat, filled with broken pieces of wood and glass. Neither Terence, Caitlin, or Sam had come out to greet him. Had they? Just as he was about to back away, he heard Caitlin calling out his name. She emerged from behind the tarp, her shirt open and hanging off her shoulders, a deep contusion running down from her neck to a haphazardly applied bandage. Mr. Alistair! Mr. Alistair! She called, tears streaming down her blemished face. Caitlin, what happened here? Where's Terence and Sam? Behind her, another man with black hair emerged. He was scrawny, wearing a stethoscope over a blue checkered shirt. You, you're a doctor. Alistair pointed at the man who stood half amazed, half curious at the creature. Um, yes, he replied, once again adjusting his glasses. Good. This boy needs immediate medical attention.
Dr. Wyncliffe cautiously approached and put his hand on Jonah's forehead. He has a bad fever and, now seeing the dark stains and bruises, he unbuttoned his shirt. The wound where the tentacle had torn him open had closed, but it was still clear that it needed immediate attention. Looking up at Mr. Alistair, he asked, Can you carry him upstairs for me? Yes, he replied, turning to Caitlin. And what room would be best to put him in? Still very concerned that Sam had yet to greet him. Was she also laid up inside? Caitlin looked over at Dr. Rhinecliffe, and he nodded. Bring him to Terence's room. We already have medical supplies there, and I can quickly have someone set up a second bed. As he gently lifted the boy, the men relaxed putting down their equipment, making a path for him as he headed inside. They had heard stories of a demon working inside the ranks of the Sacred Dawn. This only confirmed those tales. Caitlin quickly barked out a few orders, regaining their attention. Kevin! Yes, ma'am. Can you grab a cot and some blankets and get them into Terence's room, please? Yes, ma'am. Right away. The young man rushed past Mr. Alistair, who had paused. It was clear he was upset at what he saw. Although most of the wreckage had been cleared, the devastation was evident. The floor had been stripped to its foundation. The bar, although still standing, was damaged and burnt. The stairs were a temporary metal scaffolding. All this. Had this happened when he used the gate? Caitlin, he asked. His face grave, the air around him thick with emotion. When? And how did this happen? Get him upstairs first, she replied. As happy as she was to see him, she knew she'd blame himself. She dreaded the thought of telling him about Sam. Alistair did as she requested, and she went into the kitchen to put up some coffee and looked around for something to feed him. Never give a demon bad news on an empty stomach, she thought to herself. She knew that wasn't quite the saying, but it was definitely good advice. Meanwhile, Alistair waited as the young man hustled back and forth, seemingly sitting up in bed in an instant. You can lay him here, the doctor said. Alistair entered Terence's room and nearly faltered in his steps. Terence White lay quiet and still, bandages across his chest and forehead, an IV slowly dripping nourishment into his body. Taking a deep breath, he forced himself to place Jonah on the cot. The doctor went quickly into action. Without taking a second glance at the demon, he said, Caitlin is waiting for you in the kitchen. She'll fill you in on everything. Now, get out of my way so I can do my work. Alistair said nothing and slowly descended the stairs. A large stool was waiting for him in front of a charred coffee bar. He also eyed a large bowl of chili and a mound of turkey legs. His stomach growled in response. As he sat, Caitlin returned with two cups of coffee and sat down. Alistair ripped into the turkey leg as she sat and frowned, looking into the dark liquid. She sighed. Where should I begin? She adjusted her stool and started telling him how her and Sam were talking when they heard the gate powering up. We ran to the top of the balcony to see you enter the gate. Sam, before I had a chance to think, bounded over the balcony and ran in after you. She entered the gate? Yes, but as she did so, a backlash of energy came pouring out, followed by an explosion of black fire. Terence was sent flying into the bar, and the stairs collapsed underneath me. 
and Sam. What happened to her? I... I was hoping when they said you were carrying a child that she was with you. No. The feed was interrupted as I stepped in. I never even... He remembered the image of what he thought might be Sam running past him. Then, that was her I saw. You saw her? Yes. Just as the sea of black was overtaking me, I saw Sam run past me. They both went quiet for a moment. We presumed that she died in the explosion. We found fragments of her outfit in the wreckage. Maybe, maybe somehow she survived since you saw her? Maybe, he wondered about the Guardian. Maybe somehow he protected her. It was something to hope for. Anyway, both Terrence and I were spared. I don't know exactly how, but I could swear I saw an angel in blue just before I passed out. Now, she said, it's your turn. What happened? Why did you leave us? Why did you use the gate? When I was freed from the waste, I was given a vision of that boy. I was instructed that he'd be my charge. It is why I came to the cafe. On the day I left, Sam had a vision about him and fainted. That's right. I remember you brought her up sound asleep in your arms. I had forgotten about that. Yes. After that, I thought maybe I could reach Mr. Stevens. Maybe he could help me track down the boy. So, were you able to use the gate and get Jack's help? Yes and no. As I said, the gate's feed was interrupted. So, the boy, who is he? I'm not 100% sure myself. My instructions were to protect and train him. Regrettably, I was nearly too late to do the first. He told her how he followed both Jonah and Maggie from a distance. He watched as the sky opened up and they scurried into the house in Upper Rift. This kid, he grumbled, he's going to be a problem. He stood up and started moving in closer to the house. That's when he sensed something. What was it? It had a human scent, and yet a demonic presence loomed. It was at that moment he realized the order had set him up, and he took off at top speed, smashing through the front door, leaping over the strange pale girl who was just staring at... At its core, he could see what looked like a man, but his features were disjointed, as if he had been torn apart and put back together incorrectly. From its back, tentacles moved and flailed. The boy stood stunned, holding his chest as black ooze seeped out of a hole near his right shoulder. Alistair angled himself at the shade as another tentacle was about to strike. Run! Grabbing the slimy thing before it could strike the boy again. No, bad demon, no, damn you, the thing said. I was promised. Out of my way, I was promised. He's mine. He's mine. But Alistair sent it flying back into the fireplace. It hissed at him and readied for another attack. 
At that, Alistair smiled and placed both hands in front of him so that his palms crisscrossed. Summoning up a deep power from within himself, he blasted the thing, and it and the house around it exploded. At that, Alistair returned his attention to the boy. He could see the pale girl stumbling after him in the rain, as if she was actually trying to apologize. At that, he sneered. Is this your work, witch? Pray I make it back to the cafe in time, or I'll be back to hunt you shortly. He wrapped up his tail, talking about the strange being of light and how it helped stabilize the boy so that they could make it back to the cafe safely. That's some story. Yes. Unfortunately, it seems my adventure has had some unintended consequences. You couldn't have known. None of us would have expected the order to circumnavigate the gate like that, nor send something so dreadful after such a young man. No, I guess not. But that still doesn't make me feel any better. Especially knowing how badly you and Terence got hurt. And Sam. So... What do we do now? Another voice joined the conversation. May I add my two cents, or is this a private conversation? It was Terence. He was leaning on the IV pole and standing at the top of the steps. Terence! Caitlin exclaimed. Alistair stood up, and the young man's eyes met his. You know, putting his hand to his head. My head hurts, and man, am I hungry. The two laughed and helped him to a seat. As Caitlin brought him some food, he turned to Mr. Alistair. I didn't remember you. You know, from back then. Mikal did something to me. To keep me from remembering. I'm sorry and delighted to meet you again, Mr. Alistair. Alistair smiled, and like before they had parted, they shook hands. They continued their conversations and for a brief moment they almost felt like family again. Although, things would never feel completely the same without Sam. So I'm sorry to say, and truly disappointed, that for the first time in a long time, not all of this was bad news. <laughs> what a pity. As the workers are steadily fixing the cafe... And as I suggested, although our little group is battered and bruised, they are ready to get back to the hard work. Terence awake, Mr. Alistair back in the fray, and Caitlin on the mend. So what steps will they take as they gather their thoughts and take us into Chapter 14? Introductions